Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today we talk about breaking up on screen and what to do with coworkers online. We're also chatting about Netflix's issues with white people and find out the survival status of some series. It's time for a top three turf war. This week, to kick off our show, there is a little bit of an announcement. Our show, our little show here, is taking a smidgen of a break. Just a little one. We'll explain why a little bit later, but it got us thinking, are we, like, breaking up? What is the best breakup in a movie? So we are going to count down our three very favorite breakups that have ever happened in cinema. And guess what, guys? There's going to be a number of honorable mentions because this one was so hard. I think we spent like an hour sitting here, not talking to each other, each like glued to our computer screens, watching scenes and like reminding ourselves of our favorite like breakups in movies. And then saying, I've got my three. Wait a minute. I have I have three, but I just (laughs) need to watch 50 more minutes of YouTube clips. (laughs) Just to be sure. Just to be sure. So <laughs> I think that's why we, we don't do like scene stuff that often because we're a little bit obsessive compulsive about doing the research. Well, breaking up is hard to do and we are going to prove it. So Ivana, what's your number three breakup? My number three breakup is The Social Network. Are you serious? Is it yours? That is my number three. Oh my God. Like 100%. My number three. We were literally looking through footage for hours. <laughs> yeah. I did not expect that at all. Mark Zuckerberg and Erica Albright opening the film in the coffee shop. It right? is one of the or best the breakups ever. Like the way that she breaks up with him, the brutality, the honesty, the eloquence. I mean, oh. That Sorkin dialogue. Do you have the line in I front d- of you? No, I don't have the Oh, a- I do. Ooh, do I, it. I, Say I'm it. I'm not going to do it in a girly voice, but here's the thing. She yeah, says, just read it like you're breaking up with, you know, a girl, Zuckerberg. You are probably going to be a very successful computer person, but you're going to go through life thinking that girls don't like you because you're a nerd. And I want you to know from the bottom of my heart that that won't be true. It'll be because you're an asshole. And then she gets up and she storms off. I love that. I love that because it's one of those things in our world that all girls know to be true. There are these guys who think they're not liked because they're like... The nice guy. Yeah, the nice guy or the geeky guy. guy or the whatever guy. Hold on, guys. Don't think I'm out on a tirade against the nice guy. Just I'm against the nice guy who thinks he's entitled to anything from anyone. This is why the friendly guy is better than the nice guy. Hit me up on email. I'll tell you all about the nice guy, friendly guy theory. It's actually a very like poignant and true theory. <laughs> but the concept is, is that the guys who call themselves nice guys are acting nice in order to get something from you. And all girls see it a mile away. And so it's one of those things where we can see it. We can see that you're doing these things only in to get some sort of payment and nobody likes to feel like that. Nobody likes to be feel like a transaction. He really belittles her in that scene. Totally. And he has no idea he's doing it. No idea. And I think that's part of it is that she speaks this truth, but he doesn't hear it. And that's part of the beauty of the scene. And it's part of the beauty of the whole movie because 
I mean, so much of this movie has to do with her. Well, and him just being liked in general. In general. All right. Social network, number three. That was easy. That was easy. Now it gets harder. Number two for you, Ivana. Wet Hot American Summer. Which breakup? All right. So this scene is between Katie, played by Marguerite Moreau, and Coop, which is Michael Showalter. And uh, Katie, the character, is also dating Andy, who is played by Paul Rudd. Yes. So in the scene, she breaks up with Coop, basically telling him that he's really nice, but he's not sexy enough. And she really just wants to, like, have sex but with Paul Rudd, and he's not really that interesting to have sex with, and Paul Rudd is super <laughs> interesting to have sex with. I'm remembering, the, the scene is somewhat coming back to me now. Yeah, like, it's this really great biting honesty that she just, like, breaks up with him. She's like, you just suck. Basically, you have no sexiness about you, and Paul Rudd is all sex, and I'm 16, and my priorities right now are all sex, and therefore I'm going <laughs> to go with my priorities of all sex. Oh, yeah, and it, like, totally demolishes Coop. Just demolish it. But he's still <laughs> right. really nice about it. Like, he, this character, it's so funny how we start with the social network where we talk about, like, nice guys. Coop, I think in this actually is what you, like, a nice guy is. Like, he doesn't yeah. seem to really want anything from her other than, you know, to be nice to her. Well, he wants her heart. He wants her heart. Yeah. He's very pure intentioned. Yep. Far too pure intentioned for this girl. Oh, my God. You can't be like that at camp. No, not when you're <laughs> at 16, right? Yeah. Like, so, so I think it's a, I just, I loved it. I love the scene because of the honesty. And I also, I think, um, Marguerite is, does an amazing job in the performance. She is fantastic as Katie. You know what? I, that's a good one. I, I didn't even pop it into my honorable mentions because, like, going through all the things in my head, it didn't even, like, come to me. That's a good, good, solid one. Uh, my number two is not Wet Hot American Summer. It's totally different. Um, it's from One Week, which is starring oh. Joshua Jackson. Um, it's about a guy who's diagnosed with terminal cancer, and he goes on this cross-country Canada trip. I, and I think this is, like, one of the most Canadian movies that I'll ever talk about on this podcast. So for our American listeners, if you haven't seen it, it's actually a very amazing... Like, it's a really fun movie starring Joshua Jackson. Um, it's also very, like, deep and emotional. And... After his whole trip comes to an end, he goes home to his fiance and he's laying in bed with his fiance. And he says, I asked a man on the road, how do you know you're in love? He told me, if you have to ask, you're not. You never had to ask anyone, did you, Sarah? And Sarah just like smiles and is like, no, of course not. I... I hated that breakup. What? I, I dislike that movie. I, you well, dislike I, that movie. I, in some ways, it's a really beautiful, lovely movie. But I don't get behind Joshua Jackson. I think he's really selfish. But then on the then I start thinking, well, he's allowed to be selfish. He has cancer, and he's he can, got like no time left. Well, we we don't because he says you got to get into treatment right away, or you like because you don't have a lot of time. And we see on that road trip, there's there's moments where he, like, is really ill. Totally. And he just wanted to see Canada. And and that's fine. You know, he's going to die. It's just, I don't know. I never got on his side. When I watched it, I could rationalize why it was okay for him to do everything that he did. 
but it didn't change the fact that I had feelings about it. And I, he, he never won me to his side. He never won you over. Like I, I guess, didn't, I, I guess for me being on the road by yourself and going across country on a motorcycle, I don't know. Like everything about it is appealing and none of it is appealing at the same time because his reasons are he's going to die. He's allowed to be selfish because it's his life and he doesn't have that much of it. But he seems really callous and he seems really unkind. And that breakup is a really good example of that unkindness. Like it's a really mean way to break up with someone who you know is completely in love with you. He sounds like an asshole. Like, you know, when you talk about well, like they're Mike laying in bed and they're just softly talking. It's not like it's not about being mean at that point. But he is being mean. Well, because they have to talk about it. I know, but he doesn't have to be so horrible about it. I don't feel like that's a mean thing to say. I disagree. Okay. Just because he's you're speaking kindly, and it sounds very callous. But we all know that a breakup is horrible and traumatic, regardless. There's no real good way. Yeah, I know. Break up with someone. It's just that it's disguised under this niceityness. And you just described it as a nice breakup. And that's how it's supposed to go off. But I think if you actually listen to what he's saying, what he's saying is is really mean. You know, we see that scene where he asks the guy on the road the question. And it's like it's it's actually two guys just having a, that kind of conversation. And it's actually Gord Downey from The Tragically Hip. Oh, is that him? Yeah. Um and they talk a little bit about cancer and then they talk about love and he's like, no, I like if you got to ask you, you're not. And you realize early that he's going to break up with Sarah. I don't I don't know. I, I just think it's a great scene. But again, and again that it's is one not of the, the scene that, that you just described. That was also. A I know, but it all scene. leads into the breakup at the end. I know. But the breakup at the end, I'm saying, is very brutal. You are super in love with me and I totally know it, but I'm so not in love with you. So we're just going to break up and this is it. <laughs> it's kind of like know, an asshole movie. I don't think it was like that, but that's okay. What is your number one <laughs> breakup? Moving on from what I've just <laughs> laid out there. Uh, what is your number one? Um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yay! Forgetting Sarah Marshall. It's not my number one, but it's a great one. Why don't you tell us why it's so great? It's the, like It's so funny and so raw and Jason Siegel's penis is there and um, it's just fantastic. I don't know. It's goofy. It starts with him being goofy and you have the whole helicopter, which I'm sure everyone in the world knows what that's like. Yeah, it's like, I got a surprise for you. And And then, you know, why don't you put clothes on? (gasps) I'm not going to go put clothes on. That means it's over. Yeah. And that's actually... True, because when you're in a breakup and you leave the room, it's over. Like, I don't, I don't know if you, the listener, have ever been in that moment, but I completely bought it in forgetting Sarah Marshall. I completely his his emotional depth and his connectedness to being heartbroken is really honest. I feel like, and even Sarah Marshall, you know. She's got tears in her eyes, but she's still being an asshole. But she does care about him, but she's done with it. Yeah, He's... but she's also been cheating on him. Totally. She's not Which a great Which we don't person. know at that moment. 
But but I think that she honestly feels bad for how much she's hurting him. And yeah. I and I like that. That part of the scene I thought was really great, but she's still going to be that asshole who breaks up with him and he's not even going to see I knew this movie be on your list. Of course it's going to be on my list. I knew it would be like number one, even though I thought maybe it wouldn't be, but of course it is. It is my number one honorable mention um, because another scene came to my mind immediately. What is it? I can't wait to find out. And I couldn't shake it. And I'm going to shock the world with this. But it is fully Jesse Eisenberg and... Kristen Stewart in Adventureland in the middle of the streets, screaming at each other. It is one of my favorite scenes of all time. Painting a little word picture. We've got um, M, who's played by Kristen Stewart, coming out of Ryan Reynolds' parents' house. And Jesse Eisenberg running towards her. And he thinks, oh my God, you've been cheating on me. She thinks, oh, my God, I've just been caught cheating, even though I was just breaking it off so I could be with you. And it's this completely horrible moment for both characters because she never told him she was with Ryan Reynolds at all. And it and it goes. She says, what are you doing here? Are are you and Connell like uh, started in like I. I didn't know you when it, uh, how did you, what are you doing here? And James says, Lisa P told me that Connell used to take some girl here last summer to his mother's basement. Right? Yeah. I just like, I don't understand how you could do this. And M's like, I, I came here to, I know, I know I fucked up too. Okay. I fucked up one time and I fucking told you about it. And you think I'm like some kind of fucking pathetic idiot or something. And then, Kristen Stewart starts crying. And just, You're not a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. And then James just yells, you're right, and then takes off. And then that is it for their relationship. And it is brutal and sad. And, like, they're so perfect for each other. And this god-awful Adventureland has fucking torn them apart. Um, If you haven't seen Adventureland... It, honestly, it is Kristen Stewart, I think, at one of her best. Yeah. I. You know what? She's a solid actor. I think people just... And Jesse Eisenberg is at his best because it sure as hell is not a Lex Luthor performance. It is honest and raw, and he's a great, great character who you believe in. I just, I love that movie. I know a lot of people don't watch that movie or they skip over it thinking whatever... But it's such a great film through and through. Great characters in it. When I think of a breakup, I think of that scene. It's like the one that I always come back to. Um, So that's my number one. I think because for our list, one week has to be gone because you are so adamantly against it. Well, I I do like that breakup scene a lot. I would be in one week. No, no. In Adventureland. In Adventureland. I would be willing to give that number one. You'd give Adventureland number one. We make Forgetting Sarah Marshall number two. And then... Well, obviously, we both agreed on number three. We both agreed on Social Network, but you have a wet, hot American summer in there. I do. I do. But it wasn't on yours. I think Social Network still gets number three. Okay. I am totally game with that. Because you 
gave me Adventureland, so I'm I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you, but you're right. It was a lovely scene. I didn't think of it while I was like looking, and because that's it for them, that's the part of it. That's that the really... last time they talk. Yeah, like until that... the. I'm not gonna give it away. I can't give it away. <gasps> I'm going to watch that movie tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I love that scene. All right, let's count this down. Number three, The Social Network, Mark Zuckerberg and Erica Albright. Number two, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Peter Bretter and Sarah Marshall. And the number one best breakup in a movie, Adventureland. M. Lewin and James Brennan. Yes. So, honorable mention. Okay, one's on our list. It's Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Okay, right, obviously. Uh, There's a great one in Jerry Maguire. Yeah, that that was on... A list, but didn't I cut it actually, even from the short list. Oh, you cut it even from honorable mentions. But yeah, but it, it is really good. It was almost there. It's when he and his fiance are like, there's something missing here. And she screams at him and says, nobody breaks up with me. And he's like, I'm not trying to make history here. And she punches him in the face. <laughs> Just like, it's a great breakup. I had the other breakup, eh? The oh, one- you had the actual one that was like, let's. Let's be honest, this is a break. Yeah, yeah, the the Renee Zellweger one. Uh, and it was just because that always was really heartbreaking watching that. and so Very heartbreaking. And he goes on the road for... Uh, Jerry Maguire, great It's film. a great movie. Great it's hard to pinpoint the exact moment in 500 Days of Summer. <laughs> right. But I'm going to say on the bench where they're saying goodbye to each other. And he says, so what, what was it? And she's like, what? Like, when did you know? He says, oh, it was just, I woke up one morning and it was the, it, it was the thing I never felt when I was with you. Yeah, that's another one of those, like, I don't, I don't like that scene either. The but same they reason both the moved one he, on. That's the difference, I think, because it wasn't the breakup, but I still had the same, because I rewatched that scene too, and I ultimately decided it wasn't officially a breakup scene, so it wasn't even eligible, but... Oh, I thought that was so brutal. So brutal for her to say to him. Like, well, why would she do this? But also you see the, the the way it's shot and filmed and edited. You see the whole gamut of emotions. You've already gone through it with them. So when it gets there, you're okay. I know, but uh, uh, I think just, I just have a problem just, with people you, saying this. You have something. a problem with breakups with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That's the problem. <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Joshua Jackson. Anybody named Jay is starting with a Jay. J. That's what it is. There are two great breakups in Hitch. The first one is when it's in a flashback with Will Smith, and he's screaming at a door. Well, his then-girlfriend's making out with another guy, and he's like, just tell me what I did! Just tell me what I did! And the guy, oh, nice guys, take note. And the guy rolls down the window, is like, you're doing it now, man! (laughs) Whiplash, which I won't explain what happens for our listeners, and for Ivana, who I must have told a million times to watch this movie. It's on the list! And you still haven't watched the movie. Uh, And then my last one, and I'm so sorry, this segment's going off the rails, how to lose a guy in 10 days with your so vain. Yeah. The one with the singing. Yeah. That's it's the just one. they're so angry at each other. I love it. They're they're also adorable singing the song. It's like, I don't know. I, I made my honorable mentions, I think. I mean, 
that is one of those movies that has this weird appeal. It's like not a good movie, but if it's on, you're watching all Every of it. Every time. You cannot turn it off. And it's a real relationship. It's not like a fake relationship up to that point because he takes her to Staten Island. Yeah. There is real chemistry in that yep. in that movie. So, uh, yeah, I, I got to do that. Okay. Sorry. I, really I just took over the honorable mentions. Go ahead. I, I minor, I, I whittled it down to three. Cruel Intentions. I thought that was scene was really heartbreaking between when, when he, Ryan Philippe and oh, Reese Witherspoon. And I rewatched it and I thought it was still really touching and she'd give such a good performance. That is cruel. Yes. That is mean. But that is horrible. Except here's the thing. He's breaking his own heart. He's and he doesn't want to do it. He just knows that if unless he's mean, she won't let him go. And so it's it's that because you know his intentions, because his intentions are pure, and because he's a teenager and so everything is really big to him, you know what I mean? Yeah, everything's heightened. But it's, he's doing it to go home to like bang Sarah Michelle Geller. Because she's forced him. Like he's doing this to protect Reese Witherspoon. Exactly. And then Sarah Michelle Geller's like, I made you give up your only love because I'm that cruel. Oh. May have to add that to the watch it soon list. I do really like that movie. Uh, what another else you one, got? Goodwill Hunting. Love that scene. Oh, wow. With Minnie Driver. With, I didn't even think about it at all. Yeah, Minnie Driver and Matt Damon. And she's getting angry at him because he won't open up to her. And they weren't planning the breakup. And I think that's part of it is that the breakup isn't planned. It's so spontaneous. So spontaneous. She's just prodding and prodding and prodding and he can't handle it. And finally, he opens up to her. But... The opening up is the breakup. It's yes. like, if, if you need to know this about me, then we're over. And we don't know if they get back together. All we know is I got I to gotta see about a girl. Yeah. Great final line. Uh, and the other one, and it almost made my list. It was like the number one honorable mention, Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, my God. Mrs. Doubtfire when. So uh, Robin Williams threw a birthday party for his kids. At this oh, point, yeah, and his so wife comes home, and she's so pissed because he like quit his job to do this, and he's being so irresponsible, and she is so angry at him, and they're fighting, and again, it's one of those almost surprise breakups where she's just like, "Oh, I can't do this anymore. It's over," and it's that last little moment when he's like, "No, no, but we love each other, right? We love each other," and she looks at him. And in that moment, she realizes, I want a divorce. I do, she doesn't love him. She realizes in that moment, she doesn't love him. And he is still so in love with her. And again, it's like, I think I forgive it there because nobody planned it. Nobody planned to say that to the other person. Interesting. So if there's not a plan, there's a little bit more leniency here. I just think when you plan to tell someone that is in love with you, that you're just not. It's so cruel. I'm I mean, actually come, interested like, to that's, know. That's where you should come up with the it's not you, it's me stuff. I, it's interesting that I really thought 10 Things I Hate About You's breakup will be on the list for you because I know how much you love that film, but it's not a memorable breakup. I don't really like the breakup. It's kind of crap. They do it on the dance floor. She storms out. There's a great pan shot while she runs down the stairs, but other yeah. than that. I And none of the breakups of that movie are are that interesting. I didn't have a lot of teen movie breakups on my list. No, I think those are usually quite, uh, you know, like 
I guess the closest is Adventureland, but it's not really a team movie. No, not at all. All right. It's break time. We told you earlier that we were taking a little bit of a short summer hiatus. Yeah, it's a little summer holiday. And uh, we will be back soon. And and this is the time. We're going to tell you why. It's not my news to share. I'm moving to America. To America. Yeah, so I I will be moving to America in the next little bit. And uh, there's a lot of craziness when you move to a whole new country. And your entire life is going with you. Exactly. So we're just going to take a little bit of a break while, you know, things are all up in the air until we settle back down into our new home. And then we'll be right back with it just like all times. And you might be wondering, like, wait a minute, hold on a second. How if Jay's in Canada and Ivana's in the U.S., how the hell are you guys going to be able to record this? Well, guess what? Through the magics of the web. The interwebs. Last week, we were in two completely different locations recording. Uh-huh. You probably didn't notice. So, we already got all the kinks figured out. We're going to be back pretty soon, but we're just not sure exactly when because, you know, moving is kind of crazy and you just don't know. <laughs> exactly. So, I will be recording from here on out in my lovely little den. Well, Ivana will be recording from uh, wherever you record from in your new place. America. America. <laughs> this breakup is incredibly hard on me. I, I don't know if <laughs> Becky has told you any of the little sobs that I may have had at home. I'm going to miss you terribly. I'm going to miss you too. But you know what? When we talk to each other on the interwebs, it's going to be basically like. It'll be like this. Just like this. You're not going to notice. But in my heart. I will notice that we're not actually in the same place and we won't be having drinks in the same place and I won't get to see you every week. It's not week. like I'm never coming home. I don't care. I'm going to miss you now. <laughs> You're plugged in. Mind your manners. This is Tech Ticket. <laughs> British accents are funny. <laughs> All right, it's been so long since we've done this segment, so we are back. We are back, and let's talk about coworkers taking to social media. Why do they do this? All right, we're going to give you the ins and outs per social media platform on what is appropriate with coworkers and whatnot. And what is, stay the hell away from me. We're going to start with the obvious Facebook. It's the biggest one. It's the biggest platform. I use Facebook really to keep in touch with people I'm close to. I don't. If I'm not close to my coworkers, I'm not putting you on my Facebook. I think in general, unless you're super close with your coworker, like you have a relationship outside of like work. you guys go and have drinks outside of work. And not at work functions. Right. But like outside of work functions. And not after work function drinks, but literally just drinks. Exactly. You may have, you and your significant other may have had a night out with this person. Exactly. If you're at that level of closeness, sure, add them to your Facebook. But in today's day and age, you do not add coworkers to Facebook. And now there is an exception to that film industry. We all work through Facebook. So if you work in film or maybe one of those other super creative fields where networking and everyone's always self employed and like needs the connections, Facebook's the way to go. Do you use your page or do you use your profile? I use my profile. 
You want your profile for your like work contacts. Uh, so do you do a lot of like getting to know prospective business partners through Messenger? You would be shocked. I probably yeah. am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What about Instagram? Because anybody can follow you on Instagram. You don't have, like, a lot of say. However, because, again, Instagram for me is kind of where I follow my friends and my family, I do have a private Instagram account. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think it depends. If you have a public Instagram account, well, then anyone can follow you. But if you have a private one, then, you know, okay, here's the thing. I think if you're acquaintances, if you hang out at after work drinks and enjoy the person that's Instagram allowed. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. And also Instagram isn't really known as the place where I'm going to put a drunk party selfie up. Exactly. But I also have the protection up so that I know the people who are looking at it. Cause I put a lot of pictures of nephews and nieces. So I really want like the, my Instagram is actually like more sentimental than even my Facebook. Yeah, and I think a lot of people use Instagram that way. So I, I would say that Instagram is like a step lower in security than Facebook. Agreed. But you still have to have a relationship with that person. If you're only meeting each other at the coffee station, you probably don't want to ask for permission to look at someone's private Instagram account. Exactly. You know what you can do for that? You can go to Snapchat. Follow me on Snapchat. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> What I, about you? Do you? Okay, so I find Snapchat a little bit more private, interestingly. And I think Because you pick the people who see things. Yeah, because I send messages to people. I don't often po- post to my story, although I probably should. You are an actress. You are sharing your life it's just, with all of us. I'm already doing that with Twitter, and I'm already doing that with Instagram, and I... Even those are getting boring to me. (laughs) Well, the problem is, is that I think a lot of people aren't paying as much attention to Twitter as they used to. It depends, actually, if you their usage has climbed right back up since Trump has taken. Sure. I think if something's happening live, people are jumping on to see what's happening. I I think that that's proof, though, that it's still very relevant. Right. But me talking about a movie might not be the same thing. Unless it's like, I saw Wonder Woman opening weekend and Wonder Woman's trending. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I still find a lot of engagement on Twitter and I still have lots of conversations with people. And no matter what people say, people have been declaring Twitter dead for like five plus years now. It's true. And it's not gone anywhere. So, and I'm still getting new followers and I'm still getting people talking to me on Twitter. So I don't know. It still exists. It's definitely still, if you're in the social world... You know, people still look at you as at someone and they know they can find you on Twitter to ask the questions that you need to ask that person for whatever reason. So now here's my advice on Twitter and coworkers. Follow, follow, follow. Follow, follow, follow. Twitter is a professional tool. It is a broadcasting tool. It is your place to share content that you think is cool. I totally agree. And there is... No reason why you shouldn't follow every single one of your coworkers that you find on Twitter. Mind you, if you follow me, coworkers, you're going to learn a lot about movies, and that's about it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because that's my brand on Twitter. Mm-hmm. That's how I do it. And of course, the ultimate coworker trap is LinkedIn. I mean, that one is pretty obvious. Add your coworkers. Add your coworkers on LinkedIn. Do you add your friends on LinkedIn, is my question. No, not really. 
I think I have. No, I don't think I have very many friends on LinkedIn like that I've never worked with because I can't endorse you for. I mean, I guess I could guess. Say, you know what? But they're good at administration. (laughs) (laughs) This is Top Drawer TV. Yay, I'm so glad that we're kind of taking a break and we're talking television first. Because, you know, I love television. Because we did that horrible biodome last week. That was awful. That was awful. Ivana, I still can't get over it. I still can't help that somehow it gives me enjoyment, too. It's awful, and yet I'm enjoying it. I'm so glad that I got to wash my eyes and my ears out with the Netflix pilot for Dear White People. Yeah, we go from something that is incredibly sexist and awful to a television show that is all woke all the time. I like that. All woke. Am I woke? You're woke. Well, you're mostly woke. I am almost awake, folks. <laughs> All right. So we asked you, hey, watch Dear White People Pilot, and we'll talk about it this week. So before we get started, just know there are spoilers ahead for the first episode of Dear White People. Next week, we are doing nothing because break time. <laughs> <laughs> so there's nothing coming up. Um, you can skip forward to our next segment which is our series survival update but let's start with this bio in case you live under a rock and cut off from all other humans racism is still a thing and not only that it comes in many different forms totally it's not always violent or about hateful speech sometimes it's more subtle and more about discrimination dear white people is a netflix show based on the 2014 movie of the same name in episode one we get dropped into the ivy league world of winchester university where a bunch of white people decide to throw a blackface party like literally a blackface party as a joke And as a retaliation to a radio show that's hosted by our protagonist, Sam, called Dear White People. Yeah. And all hell breaks loose when the black students from campus descend on this party to catch the whole deal on camera. So we find out that before the party is thrown, it was officially canceled because of complaints. But someone leaked the invite to the party anyway, and people showed up dressed in blackface. We get to hear Sam host her radio show and field calls from students on campus. A lot were examples of outrage culture from privileged white folk. That's when we meet her secret lover, white dude, and learn that she's known as a fierce activist and leader on campus. Her new relationship is complicated, but when white boy sends an Instagram outing their relationship, shit hits the fan. Meanwhile, the rest of the black community on campus is trying to figure out what should be done about the blackface party. That's when Sam heads to the radio station to find out her show has been replaced. But she's not having any of that. So she kicks Dear Abby off the air and recites a come to Jesus speech to Winchester so the kids there realize, yeah, racism is here. Then she announces... I sent the invite. That's the end of the pilot. Did you like the first episode? I've seen the whole thing. As have I. And the first episode is my least favorite episode. Because it's all set up? Um, I don't... You know, I watched it again just to refresh myself. Yep. I can't put my finger on it. I think it's because it makes me feel uncomfortable. And I think that that's a good thing. It definitely has moments of making me feel uncomfortable. Um, have you seen the movie? I have not seen the movie yet. Okay, so 
almost the entire first episode is the movie. So it, for me, was great, and I like the way they did it. But if I hadn't gone forward, I may not have liked it as much. But what the pilot did really well was make me want to continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I was so, when the, you know, the thing came up next episode was playing, I'm like, he's sweet. Oh, I yeah, I was wait. completely on board. So on board. And then when I realized what they did with the rest of the series, not to jump too far ahead, but almost every single episode focuses on a new character on campus. And, and some of them even rewind a little bit. Not all of them and not in every episode. It's so brilliant. But you're so right. It's Once really I realize well how they do every episode, and and I guess that was part of it. Once you know how they're going to do the show, it gets that much more engaging. The show does make you feel uncomfortable. It makes you feel uncomfortable as a white person because you have to agree with it. You know what I mean? Like, And you feel shitty. You feel shitty that racism is still such a thing. And, right. and it makes you think... Were you have you ever been somebody who was on the wrong side of this? And I think that's a really good thing. I think it's a really important show for anybody to watch. Anybody should watch this show. There's also a great like episode from the white guy's per, uh, profile of his POV of dating this activist on campus and how he he would like to just scream at them sometimes and um, you don't see that in the pilot, so I shouldn't go forward. But yeah, there are parts where you watch the white guy feel uncomfortable. There are parts where the black kids don't know if this is right or they should be taking this kind of action or if she should announce that she sent the invitation. kind of comes out of left field when she does. Right. I mean, I it's not that out of left field although i guess we don't find that out till a future episode do we no at the very end of this episode you find out and it's kind of like a shock but the reason i mean you know why she's announcing it it's because she was going to get outed right and she so she needed to either take control of the narrative or she would become the bad guy so she did the right thing exactly i think also she's really fierce and i love that about her but she's also a little bit cruel to the people in her life like not cruel i they're secondary to her her fierceness is tops and some of that i think i didn't love about there's something about her that like i was like ah like even your friends like your friends in your community you're more driven than that and i respect it and i but i also i feel a little bit bad for your friends right because your friends don't feel they can keep up or it's always politics with her. That's what it is. She's just she. There's something about her that's very like business. Right. But she also has feelings, and I think that's the beautiful thing with her relationship. Um. And I and it's also I think the show. What's great about it is the honesty of race relations in general. And I think all the supporting cast really works together. Really works together. I love. Uh, the nerdy Afro guy. Oh my God! I love him too. So good. Um, but yeah, it asks a lot of hard questions. Like one, why would these kids on campus all dress in blackface? Yeah. Okay. I just have to say, how is that a thing? How do people, how do people do that? I don't get it. I mean, I want to say ignorance. Yeah. I mean, I think ignorance has to be it. You know what? It made me think about cosplay this episode. Let's say a black guy really loves Superman. So he dresses up as Superman to go to a comic book convention. 
Do people look at him and think, oh, wicked, you're black Superman? Unfortunately, I think they do. But to that guy, he's just a guy. He's Superman. I agree. I, I think that in that case, he's Superman. Right. Why wouldn't he just be? He's Superman. Yeah. He he reads the comic. It's not like he's going to put white face on to be Superman. No. I Yeah. And like, I, I think honestly... It's just a fun comic book superhero. And and I think in that way you get like a little bit of, I guess, leeway in terms of costumes. But that's very different from going in blackface or like... I was just trying to think of other situations where, you know, another person like... I can't imagine um, an Asian girl, for example, who wanted to go out as Hermione Granger and then goes out for Halloween and everyone thinks she's... You know, the Asian Gryffindor character who right. Harry falls in love yeah, with. Yeah, Harry's super into her. Right. Well, okay, so I think it just depends on the costume. A big part of Hermione Granger is her big frizzy hair. So if you have big frizzy hair, then you're clearly Hermione Granger. If you don't, then maybe you're a different character. Like, I think there's just, if you're Superman, then you have the Superman suit on. Yeah, like, you got the Superman suit on. I, when it comes to cosplay and being a fictional character, I think it really just comes down to being distinctively like somebody that is like that kind of thing. Right. But by changing your actual appearance and color in your face, not cool. You know, be who you are. It's not like I can go out and be Michael Jordan. I mean, I can. People don't see me as Michael Jordan. They just see a guy in a Michael Jordan jersey. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you know what? I think in this... I don't know. It's a, it's a hard... Like, don't do blackface. Don't do whiteface. That is totally awful I know. I think whiteface is allowed. Blackface is not allowed. I don't think whiteface is allowed either. You do, Yeah, I think there's just a double standard for the moment, and there's nothing wrong with that. And one day in the future, it won't be allowed. But for now, it is allowed. I think everybody just keeps their pigment and moves on yeah but then think about it this way what about like that green girl from star trek you kind of have to you know make your skin green to be the green girl from star trek i mean i guess the difference is there is an actual green race that i'm aware of well that's why it's okay and you have to be the green girl right and that's why it's okay when you dress up as the the blue things from um avatar right if you dress up as them you kind of need to be blue because they're very blue and so I think you're allowed to to choose a fictional thing. Uh, and frankly, I mean, just stay away from being rude to other races. But I think, like, if anyone wants to be rude to white people, it's allowed right now. In terms of, yeah, if you want white face. Like, like the movie White Chicks, nobody was offended. No, I mean, and- I, I really, I mean, I was offended that that movie got made. I wasn't offended what they were doing. I didn't see the movie because it didn't look that it, That's funny. what I but mean. Like, like, it wasn't a good movie. But, like, you know, like, I, I certainly at no point is anyone But it's also a commentary on specific white chicks. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, I, but it opens this door of conversation, which I would... That's what this show does. It opens the door to have these conversations that need to be happening on campus. They need to be happening in your own brain. You need to understand that you you can't do these things. And it's not just like 
the black race. It's 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 any race that has been subjugated. I think that like that's what the the show opens its doors to. So my question to you is, how important do you think it is that this is set in an Ivy League university, a place where most people on that campus probably think that they're not racist and that there isn't racism? I think that that is the place to have these conversations because college is one of the only times in your life where you are that open-minded. And is that why it had to be set in college? I think it's set in an Ivy League college because there's so many privileged white people in Ivy League colleges. See, I think it was set in an Ivy League college because Ivy League colleges, colleges in general, tend to be thought of as more um, liberal or left wing or, you know, like liberal arts type things where people think that they've solved racism on that in that space. And it's saying even in these places where you're running around patting yourself on the back for having no racism, there still is racism. Well, it's interesting because the actual guys from Pastiche think they're making a commentary, making a a funny commentary on life and attacking racist traditions. They think they're a part of the problem or part of the solution is what they think they are. Right, yeah. Where the black community in this school does not see it that way and sees them as racist. And they do a lot of racist things. Absolutely. (laughs) They certainly do. There are horrible things that these guys do. Yeah, I think that at the end of the day, for anyone who hasn't had the luck of like being very close to someone in a minority who feels slighted, this show will hopefully open your eyes to what that experience is like and what those feelings are because somebody's feelings are always valid because it's their feelings and, and you cannot have a comment on anyone else's feelings. We have gone down the road on a whole lot of issues right now. If you agree, if you disagree, please write us. Let us know if you if you think this show is something that we don't think this show is. Let us know. I just want to start a conversation just like this show is, so please reach out. Series Survival. Dun, dun, dun. All right, the last update before the break, and we will update those standings as well on where we are. Right now, Ivana is up 7-6. to six. Yeah. So, let's hope this week changes some things <laughs> because I need some points. Let's start with NBC's power list that was taken off the schedule, but now finally confirmed. Yes, Powerless was canceled. This was the show about DC superheroes kind of playing around people without powers. I was super excited for the show to come out. I thought it looked amazing. Yeah, you were. And you were you had already read some things that said that it wasn't that. It changed amazing. what it originally was. And so you were you were going to watch it, but you were going to be less enthused. I think I watched more episodes than you did. I think I've seen them all. Okay. All right. So we've seen the equivalent amount of episodes. But in the end. Canceled. I didn't. I didn't it canceled. And also, I, good. Thank goodness. I didn't love it. <laughs> I didn't. I can't believe you watched all the episodes and didn't love it. That's the thing with comedies. There aren't enough on They're television. It's easy to keep going. I, I could do so many comedies. We don't make enough of them. 
you TV people out there, make more comedies. That means we're still at 7-6. Yes, that's true. We were both wrong. Still 7-6. No, no points. No change. Next up, great news. Now, this one is the new Tina Fey produced show. It's about a newscast and this mother comes on as an intern and like tortures her daughter who already works there. Um, it got rave reviews. I don't know where to watch it. I haven't been able to find it on TV. Haven't been able to find it on demand. I don't know if this is something where can- Canadians don't have the rights to it. Yeah, maybe no one bought them. But it was renewed. And it, and so I predicted that I would like it, but I wouldn't love it. And I totally like it, but don't love it. Okay. And I said it wasn't getting renewed, which means you jump up. And like I said, I haven't been able to find it anywhere, so I haven't watched the show either. Yes. That means I'm two in the lead. Eight to six, folks. That's amazing. I'm so excited. Um, That's a big deal in series survival because coming back, two points behind. And to overtake, you need three. Oh God! I just, I just three don't. correct. We did. What do I have to do again? Have you <laughs> thought about this? No, we haven't thought about that. Okay, we got a third. Um. Okay, the third is Doubt from CBS. It was based on that movie that Amy Adams was in. That is not true. Wait, what was the one that Amy Adams was in? That is a nuns film with Meryl Streep and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, isn't that what this is based off of? Not at all. This is not based off of that? Not at all. This whole time I thought it was a... Doubt is the Katherine Heigl law drama. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's okay that you don't remember, though, because it only made it two episodes before it was canceled. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I... It was so not memorable that I thought it was the movie. (laughs) CBC removed it, canceled it. We both are dumb because we thought people don't people love Catherine Heigl. She's gonna make it all the way to like season six. Even though we hate Catherine Heigl, everybody else seems to love her. So neither one of us gets a point because we both said it would, but it was in fact canceled, which means the standings stay the same. Eight to six. I'm up. I am up. Heavenly Father. <laughs> if you can get me out of this jam, I will make Ivana do something horrible. So just so you guys know, there are six shows left that we don't have an update on. That's right. But hopefully we get some over the summer and we'll be able to incorporate it after our break. And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again in the near future. We're just not exactly sure when. If you'd like to help us support the show, we would really appreciate all you have to do is hop on iTunes or any podcast service like Stitcher or Pocket Cast or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a quick rating and review. This helps us grow the show. And over this break, we're going to need some people telling people about the show. So why don't you go and tell someone about the show? We would really, 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 really be in your debt. All right, bensound.com is the source of our intro song, and we encourage you to check it out and our show notes for more information about our music, our talented voice actors, and sound effects. And over this long break, we would love to hear from you, so please do not be a stranger. You can reach us on our website, morethemovies.net. 
You can email us, hello at morethanmovies.net. Find us on Facebook at More Than Movies Podcast. Or catch us on Twitter. I'm at It's Savannah. And I'm at Jester J. Thanks again for spending time with us. We'll be back in the near future, and we'll keep you posted on the exact date. You're going to not miss us at all. We'll be back as before you know it. That sounds right. <laughs> uh, and until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more. <laughs>